Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 18 through 20. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, then it will be on the screen behind me. Verse 18. While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. Everyone say, follow me. And I will make you. Let's say that part together, please. And I will make you. Fishers of men. And let's say that last part together, please. Fishers of men. And immediately. And all the excited people in the house said immediately. Immediately. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. They didn't call everyone in their favorites list to find out if it was wisdom. Right? They didn't need 30 days to think about it. They didn't start a Bible study. They didn't do a word study to try and figure out what Jesus truly meant in the Aramaic when he said, follow me. Did he mean actually follow him? Like actually really follow him? Like really follow him? Or is he just talking about some type of mental ascent to a set belief system and call that discipleship? Or did he mean literally to immediately cast aside their profession, their reputation, their... Everything that they held value in, that they had stock in, that they had built their life on and walk away from friends and family and everything that brought them value and safety and security and actually follow Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God for the rest of their life. Is that what? Is that what Jesus actually meant? I mean, I want to ask you because today, if Jesus Christ on the first Sunday of 2018 walked into this room in the flesh and he spoke to you and he said your name and he said, follow me and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. My question to you today would be, once you left this place and you were following Jesus, would your life look the same? Would it look like it does today? Would it look like it has this past week? Or would there be a radical revolution in the way that you lived your life, did your day, went about your schedule, utilized your money, worked in your relationships to how you actually became a Christian? That's my question to you today because that's God's invitation to us in 2018. And so for the first three months of the year, I'm going to break down this scripture. And I'm just going to keep talking about it for three months. Is that okay? Because here's the thing. When Jesus said, follow me, everybody say relationship. Relationship. That's what that's about. When Jesus invites us to follow him, how many of you guys know that he is inviting us into an intimate relationship with him? 
It's not a distant relationship. It's not a relationship where we have to perform for him to love us. We have an intimate relationship. We have a fellowship. We have a union in the same way that the two become one when a man and a woman are married. We see a union with us and Christ, a covenant connection, an intimacy of relationship. That is what Jesus is communicating to you and I when he says, follow me. He's not asking you to fake it. He's not asking you to pretend. He's not asking you to stunt double. He's not asking you to act like you guys are having a relationship. He's not asking you to go public on Facebook. He's not asking you for any of those things. He is expecting. He is inviting. He is asking. He is beckoning. He is seeking. He is pursuing so that you would have an intimate, deep, meaningful, rich fellowship with Jesus Christ, the lover of your soul, the one who fashioned you. The one who made you, the one who knows everything about you, the quirks, the hangups, the good stuff, the bad stuff. And he says, bring it in. Just like you are with all your mess ups and your hangups. I love them all. I love all the quirks. I love how your left ear is a little bit further down than your right ear. I I love that weird pinky toe you have. I love all of those things about you. That's how Jesus is, man. He wants you as you are. He didn't pick the fishermen because they were perfect. He didn't pick the fishermen because they had these skills that would make them good disciples, that would translate well for good stories. He picked these fishermen in spite of the skills that they didn't have, not because of the skills that they did have. He said, I love to take the foolish things and confound the wise. I love to handpick a country boy from Sacramento, Kentucky, a little town in the midst of nowhere with no stoplights. 90% farmland. Set them on fire for Jesus. That's that's me. That's my story. I come from nowhere. I come from a village. And Jesus said, follow me. And he said, I will make you. Everybody say discipleship. And see, this is where if if follow me didn't hang us up enough, it's really the discipleship element that begins to make us nervous. Because Jesus invites you into relationship with him, but it has purpose. Jesus does not invite you in to leave you as you are. Although Jesus loves your quirks, Jesus wants to transform every every single quirk that holds you back from a deeper intimacy with him and being set on fire for his work in the world. He wants to transform you. He wants to spend all of eternity making you look like his son. Hey, hey, look, guys, God's not just going to spend the rest of your life like transforming you into the image of the Christ. He's going to spend all of eternity. He's going to spend forever. It's just going to be an ongoing thing between you and him. He, he just loves you that much. He has to hang out with you forever, just disciple you forever. Wow. Yes. Wow. I, I think that's cool. What do you guys think? Right? Discipleship. And so we're going to talk about discipleship, and that's going to happen in February. And then if that didn't scare you enough, this one's going to get real scary. He said, and then I'm going to make you fishers of men. Everybody say evangelism. Who got nervous? Right? Because I understand, I know, like evangelism, that's a scary word. Because you start thinking, what? I'm going to have to share my faith. Like, I'm, I'm going to be expected. Like, somebody's going to hold me accountable. Like, I'm going to have a Christian community that's going to ask me about how I shared the love of Jesus this week with a world in darkness that is steeped in sin and death. Yep. We're going to ask you about that. In March, 
Because we're expecting an unprecedented harvest of souls. And I don't even care if they come to church here. That is the least of my concerns. As you guys can see, we probably need a little bit more space. But that's not even the point. I'm not trying to win souls to church. I'm trying to win souls to Jesus. And honestly, you guys, I understand. I get it. We need to be strategic. Invite people into the house. But God never told the sinner to go to church. He told the church to go to the sinner. That is what God asked us to do. They're dead. We were dead. Dead men cannot ask you to resuscitate them. They have no ability. I mean, some of us in here, we think we're hungry for God. The reality is God is hungry for you. That's why you feel the stirring. That's why you feel that buzzing on the inside of your center. You're like, man, what is that? That's God's hunger for you. That's God's pursuit of you. God called them, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. But before God called them, before God activated them, before God released them into ministry, God came to them. Before God called them to do anything, he came to them. Before Jesus performed any miracles before Jesus did any ministry the father came to him and said this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased long before you minister God's already pleased with you long before you've done anything great for the kingdom the father has already set his seal of love upon you before you've made your 18 2018, before you've accomplished any goals or checked anything off of your list, the Father comes to you like He came today. Not because of your great merit, but because of His great love for you. And He's seeking you. And He's looking for you. I mean, Ezekiel said that God searches the earth like a shepherd longing for one of His sheep. Like the 99 the parable that Jesus shared with us to go and to leave and to get the one. That's how much Jesus is after you in 2018. So here's a question I want to ask you. Are you ready to immediately drop your nets and follow God? That's the question I have for you today. Are you ready to immediately drop your nets and follow God? here's the thing if we follow Jesus if we're Christians I think we would all agree that to be a Christian means to become like Christ do we all agree that that's that statement I mean it's a pretty like basic fundamental definition right what does it mean to be a Christian to become like Christ none of us are perfect we're all unfinished masterpieces right but we stay on the wheel so the potter can form the clay right so that we can all become like Christ And so if our lives do not resemble his in any capacity whatsoever, are we really Christians? I mean, that's my question. That's my question. Like if we're looking at the world and we're saying, how do how do how do we as the church, how do we as Christians, how do we as born again believers, how do we as people who confess to Christ, how do we look different than anybody else? Because if we don't. I got fake people showing fake love to me. That's that's what Jesus is jamming that. (laughs) I got straight up to my face. Straight up to my face. 
<laughs> I, I'm being honest. I, I, my, my bad. I forgot to give it. This is, a, this is a rated R sermon for real. My B. But, but Jesus said it. Jesus said it. He said, he said there's going to be many who are going to come to me, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not go to church in your name? Did we not attend two out of four Sundays? Did we not attend? I, I, I didn't tithe. I tipped. I didn't tithe. I tipped. But did I not put something in the bucket? He got more real. Sorry, that's, that's quieter. I, I gave a little bit of my time. I went on that short-term mission trip once to Africa. I got a selfie with the orphan. But I don't care anything about the orphans that live in my city. I don't care anything. Yeah, I mean... Let's be honest. And, and look, it's okay if, if you feel convicted. But here's the thing. I feel convicted too, all right? I feel convicted. God's been convicted me. Don't make conviction the goal. Sometimes we, we, we look at conviction like it's the, it's the way that we talk about a good message. Man, dang, I got convicted of that as a good word. Hey, God's goal is not conviction. God's goal is change. It, it don't matter if you're convicted. If you're convicted and don't do nothing, you're just becoming more religious. The reason you're convicted is because God's saying you're way more awesome than that. You can do way more stuff than that. You can give way more than you've given. Yeah, I know you feel guilty about not giving more, but that's what the cross is for. That's what the blood deals with. I'm here to deal with your guilt. I'm here to deal with your shame and not following me closer in 17. I'm here to deal with the fear that you have of dropping your nets because I know they're bringing you security. And I know they're bringing you income. And I know that's where the safety is. But my God is not myself. My God is Yahweh. So I immediately drop my nets because I have seen something greater than the money that the nets bring me I have seen something greater than the value that my profession that my career that my image brings me I used to be able to brag about I got the most fish in the boat I used to be able to brag about that but now I've seen Jesus so everything that used to bring me life, everything that used to bring me value, everything that used to bring me safety and security, I immediately drop my nets. And I ask him on the way, does that mean you're going to keep me safe, God? Does that mean you're going to keep my money safe, God? Does that mean you're going to keep my family safe, God? Does that mean you're going to keep my identity safe, God? And God says, hey, look, I ain't promising you safety. But I'm promising you my presence. So we say... Come get us, God. Come walk our shoreline. Come walk the shoreline of Nashville. What's that going to look like? Jesus only needed 12 to flip the world upside down. I can take a look around. No, we have more than 12 in here. But it's not going to happen till we drop the nets. It's not going to happen till we immediately obey. So you can't obey an old word and count it as spiritual merit. Just because we said yes to a word God gave us six months ago does not mean that we're being obedient 
Because you may have grown to a point now where that word no longer challenges you. And so you waited until you became comfortable to obey. That's not obedience. Slow obedience is no obedience. When God invites you into risk, immediate obedience, that's obedience. Because God wants you to risk. Because he wants you to know that, hey, that thing you're standing on is not a firm foundation. It's not a good place to stay. That thing is weak by comparison to what I have to offer you. Don't get it twisted. God wasn't inviting them to church. He was inviting them to die. He said, hey, look, it's time to die. You know the thing about dead people? Dead people don't have preferences. They don't, kind of, they don't care what kind of cas- casket that they're buried in. They don't, kind of, they don't care what outfit they're put. Oh, look at me. I'm draped up. Look at this. I'm, I'm, I'm looking good. I'm nice. Look at they, Dead people don't care. They don't care. It doesn't matter. Dead people don't care. They're dead. They don't care. It doesn't matter. To, it, it, they don't care. And, and, and God, let's start today. Let's start today. Let's start today that, God, I die to my preferences so that I can step into my purpose. I'm not going to let my preferences keep me out of my purpose. Not another day. I'm not going to let fear keep me away from love and from life and from abundance and from joy. I'm tired of pretending like I'm happy on Instagram when my soul is dilapidated. I need life that comes from Jesus. I need the river of life that comes from Jesus. I need the life that Jesus Christ released when he hung up on the cross and when the veil was torn in two and the Holy Ghost was released. I need the life that was in Jesus when the stone was rolled away on the third day and he stepped out. Like I'm back. What's up? Receive the life. Jesus started his ministry the same way John the Baptist started his ministry, the same way the, the ministry of the early church started, the same way that the first Pope Peter started his ministry. It was all with one word. Repent. 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 I mean, every great prophet that's pre-existed, post-existed, Jesus has all really started with the same word. Repent. That means change your way of thinking or you're about to miss life. You might have a little money. You might have some nice clothes. You might have a little image. But you don't have life. Because you could gain the whole world but still lose your soul. And only you know what's going on there. Only you know how you walked in today on the inside. I see you. You look good. You smell good. I know you, some of y'all got Lilabo for Christmas. You smell nice. But how, how is the soul, man? It's time to resurrect it. It's time to come alive again. It's time to be passionate. It's time to be joy-filled. It's time to repent. It's time to repent. It's time to immediately drop the nets. And, and you know, here's the thing, is that actually we got the best visual of repentance when we watch them drop the nets. Because they showed us what repentance looks like. Repentance does not look like this. Oh, oh, that's the way? That's the truth? That's the life? Um, I'm going to go on back to fishing, but here's an offering. Oh, that's the way? That's the, that's the, that's the life? That's the truth? Get a quick selfie. I went, to, I check in. How's that legacy today? You, you, see what you see what I'm saying? Like, that's not, they showed us what repentance looked like. They dropped everything. 
And they said, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And even when he gave the challenging messages, they said, we're, we're staying with you. And, and I don't want to be one of those people. I brought it up earlier, but I don't want to be one of those people that one day at the end of our lives, and we all give an account for how we spend our time on the earth. We're all going to give an account for that. Make no mistake. We're all going to give an account for that. What do you want God to say to you? That's what I'm asking you. I know you probably did an e-course. You probably set your goals. But, but when you look, not just at the end of 18, but when you look at the end of your life, what do you want God to say to you? Like, how did you steward the gift that he put in you? How did you respond to the words of life that he gave you? Are you going to say, man, I heard the word, but I gave half myself. You can't live out your full purpose only giving half yourself. Your full purpose requires your full self. It's not a hobby. It's not a game. It's life. Some people have gotten mad at me at seven, in 17. And they said, oh, you don't, you don't hang out with me anymore. You don't talk to me very much. And I know why, because I'm not, not engaging with your vision. That was tough for me to hear. Some of that might be true, but here's the thing. My vision, the vision God has put in my heart, the vision God has put in your heart is so important to him. So it should be so important to you. If you have to walk away from nets, and those nets are old relationships, walk away from them. If you have to walk away from people who used to be cool with you, walk away from them. You got that, you know, got that same friend, that old friend, you know, from high school. Leave him alone. Let it go. Follow Jesus. He might bring it all the way back around. You might get to resurrect that person from the dead. You don't know. But just follow Jesus. I'm going to leave you with this. Pursue God, and the rest will take care of itself. write that in the front leaf page of your Bible. Pursue God and the rest will take care of itself. Pursue God. I don't want the end of my life to be depart from me for I never knew you. You know, you know what that word know is? It's the Greek word genosko. You know what it means? Intimacy. It can't be fake fake friends showing fake love. It's got to be real, raw, nitty-gritty, ugly, murky, blues, in my grit, in my raw, in my real, that kind of love. The kind of love you don't hear about on the radio. The kind of love you got to listen to jazz for. That's it. That's it. That's the truth. You got to listen to it. You can't get that. You ain't going to get that on the radio. You're going to have to listen to the Swan Brothers for that. You have to get that, get that real love. That real love. That Colton Caroline love. Hey. Yes. You guys ready to go in 2018? Yeah. You guys ready? I offended you today I'm sorry if God offended you he had intention 
So here's what we'll do because it's time. We'll pray. Father, help us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. That's what we pray. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sin as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Find a few people, hug them, give them a high five. If you don't know them, now's a great time to meet them. It is 1240. I want to remind you, go pick up your kiddos. If you got kiddos downstairs, we love you and we bless you at Legacy. Have an amazing Sunday.